Welcome to Conscious Founders Podcast, where we talk about virtual reality and real healing. I'm your host, Xander Ford. In today's episode, we interview Lisa Padilla, founder and CEO of New Path Virtual Reality. Lisa's background is in advertising and marketing. Her passion around healing and her entrepreneurial spirit really fueled her decision to start New Path, which is a virtual reality healing platform and marketplace. Uh, this conversation happened the morning of October 24th, 2017. Some topics that we talked over are how can we translate best practices for therapeutic interactions um, from our real world scenarios such as in a therapist's office, um, and then how can we translate those to effective experiences in the virtual environment? For example, what distance should an avatar or a virtual therapist be from the patient in a VR experience? So for example, what is our bubble or of spatial comfort um, in a virtual environment and in a real world environment? What is the future of artificial intelligence driven therapists? So for example, will there be like a Jetsons therapist version in virtual reality? Could that be a real thing in the future? And if not uh, fully automated, then um, what about partially automated like uh, chat bots that are evolving to assist people with different retail functions? So what uh, trends are we seeing uh, in the VR adoption for healing. Where are we seeing VR being adopted in this uh, healthcare environment? Places like hospice and retirement homes, um, highly controlled therapeutic settings is where VR and healthcare seems to be becoming more and more popular at the um, Western medical system and which of the big industry players are most likely to capture the consumer market. Um, so we got Facebook and Google, Amazon, of course, some of the other players like uh, HTC and Samsung, the big device manufacturers. So who's gonna capture the consumer market uh, the strongest and when? As, uh, as this podcast uh, evolves, I'm uh, I'm playing with different audio recording devices and formats of presentation. And today's um, is just this brief intro and then we're just gonna dive into the conversation. So I hope you enjoy and uh, any feedback is definitely helpful. Thank you so much for listening and hope you enjoy this conversation. About three or four years ago, decided that uh, advertising um, for big brands um, uh, made the money flow um, in a direction that was unnecessary mm. and uh, um, was also in a place where I was not as happy as I probably could be and um, wasn't feeling fulfilled. I feel you. <laughs> I, um, awesome. 
Yeah, so... So you were in the ad business before. Yeah, I, um, I started in advertising. Um, I worked for a couple of large ad agencies, and mm. um, I studied multimedia. Um, in college? Uh, yes, I went to Academy of Art. Oh, cool. Here in the city. Um, They're like the largest landowner in all of San Francisco, right? They are <laughs> all over the place. It's crazy. They're, you can't go a block without seeing one of their um, huh. one of their uh, locations. But um, but uh, they're a good school, and yeah. um, it was a good place to make connections and um, and learn about art and uh, multimedia. During a time when uh, that was just starting to take off, uh, and I worked for a small multimedia company that had um, Apple and Intuit and HP as clients, and wow. we did um, we did CD-ROM development. Oh my gosh, <clears throat> what a what a cool experience! So that was like pre dot com boom and bust, right? Oh, right in right in there, right in the right. zone. Right. Um, I. Um, I was learning HTML at my desk, um, which happened to be good timing because the the web hit and mm -hmm. so this is like early nineties. Yeah, so it's like ninety five, and um, we did the first websites for HP and Apple. Um, what was the agency called? Uh, it was called Graphica. Cool. And uh, that's a cool name. Uh, it was down in San Mateo, oh. and. Um, I worked for a gentleman named Mike McGrath, um, who taught me uh, a bunch about the industry. And um, from there, um, I went to work for Netscape uh, for a time. Um, learned a bunch about online advertising and uh, and the web. And um, and from there, um, worked for a bunch of tech companies. Uh, went back into advertising and then started my own agency. Cool. You went back in, like, on the agency side? I did. Um, by then, uh, a lot of companies had started picking up and doing their own websites, mm -hmm. and uh, I could do larger scale uh, implementations, and um, that became more interesting. But, cool. um, um, but again, doing all this business for all these large companies, you know, Levi's and um, while they do do some good corporate social responsibility, I was not involved in that at the time. And, um, and so I, um, I started a, a company called um, Nameplace, which was a social good company. It was a matching service for corporate spons sponsors and city programs. Um, so we did um, uh, matches with um, cities for programs like um, uh, lighting and safety programs um, in neighborhoods like the Tenderloin here in the city, uh, and Twitter, for example. Um, we brought on 100 cities and um, got that company started. Um, it's still in place, um, but I left the company after um, after a little over a year, and um, and then I went to start um, start this company. Um, so, what's your vision here? Well, um, well, this this company started as um, a, a little different than it is today. Um, it started as uh, as spiritual VR, mm. 
which was um, which was a company that was focused on spiritual teachings, uh, ceremonies, um, uh, essentially bringing together the spiritual community with technology and um, doing that through virtual reality. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it I, was. I saw uh, you had a, a brand pivot. I did a little bit of homework and. We did. Yeah, that's um, great. We did. It turns out that um, that uh, uh, I I still believe in the in the spiritual community and in serving that and and we still do that. Um, however, uh, uh, building partnerships and uh, finding funding and really building the company out. Um, to the level that we can, we can really bring this to people and bring it to the masses. Um, we needed to change um, uh, the message with the company. Um, so now we're we're focused on emotional development, personal development, emotional wellness, nice. um, which still fits into our our goal of, of bringing this to uh, spiritual communities and and serving that, but. Um, but we really um, uh, have taken a more psychological view, and um, and we're using uh, the tools that we've built um, from the beginning to um, to create the uh, the apps that we're building. And those tools are are um, are primarily what's in our um, our library. We've created a psychology library of awesome. uh, behavioral change and VR, and um, that's uh, that's what we refer to and work with developers on as we're building apps. So how does it work? Can you walk me through it? Sure. Um, so we spent uh, we spent a year now working with um, research students and um, and cataloging. Uh, uh, a number of um, of these methods that you can use in VR to change behaviors. Um, an example is uh, uh, how many inches uh, the user should be from an avatar um, in the experience. If you are if you're too close, um, like I am to you right now, this is too close. So what's the bubble of the the user in a way? Right. It's what's the, the what bubble. what is like what is bubble. too close and what is too far and what is just right is is what we're looking for. Cool. Um, so it turns out that that's about forty eight inches. Um, Neat. What a cool finding. Uh, and that's that's one of the more um, simple, straightforward ones to mm. to explain, but. Um, uh, these methods have to do with presence, establishing presence, keeping presence, what, what, um, what it means to feel like you're in reality when you're not in reality. Um, they have to do with embodiment, um, what you need to do to make the user feel like they're actually in a body, um, what things need to look like and feel like and sound like in virtual reality. So um, now we have hundreds of these methods in our library and we plan to um, extend that to other developers to um, create positive change in virtual reality. Cool, and from what I could tell on your platform, it looked like you guys are, are building um, like a, almost like a marketplace for other people to develop 
um, applications using your library and then distribute those? Is that accurate or one facet of it? Yeah, just about. We, um, what we found was uh, we had uh, just droves of developers coming to us with different apps that they wanted to create. So, uh, so what we did was we created, um, we created uh, a website for them to distribute their apps um, together, all these wellness apps. So instead of users having to go to the individual um, stores, um, whether that is um, iTunes or um, Viveport or um, Steam, they can go to one place and search um, uh, spiritual or meditation or nature or stress relief and find all the wellness apps in one place. So it's a place for um, developers to uh, market and release their wellness apps. And uh, we have over 300 partners now on that platform. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's a testament to um, how much activity there is in the wellness space. Um, in VR, and um, we really feel like this is going to be um, an uh, adoption opportunity for virtual reality um, for those who are concerned about uh, whether or not virtual reality is really going to be a thing. Um, we uh, we're we're certain that it is. That's beautiful. Yeah. Congratulations on your successes. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. You. It's really amazing. Yeah, um, we're um, especially excited um, because we just uh, brought on as um, as a founder, um, Dr. Michelle Wang, and she is um, she's an amazing psychologist who um, who is uh, who's now my partner. I'm happy to say, and um, and she's been involved for several months as an advisor. Um, and helping us work on our apps, and also has been involved in several events like um, the VR art therapy uh, workshop that we did a couple of weekends ago. Um, uh, that turned out really well too. Um, cool. It's very exciting to see people uh, work in VR um, and tap into their issues while they're creating art. Um, have these transformative experiences that they then would um, talk with her about afterwards. Awesome. It's, really it's nice to have that psychological expertise on board. Too. Yeah, and yeah. Being able to change people's lives is, uh, is a lot more satisfying than, um, than seeing people wearing Levi's mm -hmm. that, that, um, that you, you know, you had a part in, yeah. in selling, um, I can relate. I, I came from an advertising marketing background uh, as well. Uh, um, uh. Yeah, I, I sold digital ads and then I built a really big data analytics company, uh, um, uh. you know, that's now part of Oracle uh. and their marketing cloud. And, and that was fascinating, especially because this, it's the same um, formula for programming the subconscious mind in a lot of ways, using the advertising formula of frequency, recency, messaging, uh, and... Right, consumer but, psychology applies. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so it really applies to, I mean, these methods of changing people's behavior and programming their automatic thinking, they're, they're out there, they exist, and so um, 
it's fun to it's fun to now be able to take some of those learnings and apply them to helping people create um, greater states of joy, peace, and connectedness. Yeah. Yeah, to be able to use the the power for good, you know, as they say, because uh, uh, the amount um, of opportunity that you have to um, to change people's behavior um, is profound, and uh, for those people who are concerned that that power may be used to manipulate people. Um, that is a uh, legitimate concern. Mm, yeah, I'm and curious about your 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 thoughts on the moralities of developing um, yeah, um, virtual reality, and 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 my current understanding is that it's possible to reprogram the subconscious mind through you know, a formulaic approach to getting someone into a certain uh, mind state or even brainwave state, and yeah. then. Um, making suggestions similar to what advertisers do or hypnosis does and um, and so I could you know there's a, a potential storyline in our in our world where some you know malicious uh, oligarchy gets a hold of this and starts programming people so I, I actually asked um, another person I, I interviewed I said what do you think about the morality of developing this technology yeah. and and his response was was interesting. I'm curious to hear uh, hear what you think about it. Yeah, I I definitely think uh, uh, VR is a tool, uh, just like a knife, and it can be used to carve a beautiful sculpture, or it can be used to murder. Uh, it is uh, it is a little terrifying, and uh, we need to be incredibly responsible with what we're creating. And not just uh, uh, murdering software or games uh, versus uh, uh, obviously uh, responsible therapeutic um, software, but uh, but the things that are in between. Um, uh, if you look at um, maybe some of the VR games that are going to come out this month for Halloween. Uh, some of those can give you PTSD, um, you know. So you're building uh, the tools that are going to help undo what some of the other people building tools are potentially going to do. <laughs> we uh, we have um, on our list of projects um, several that address and undo some of the things that we're concerned about. Mm -hmm. So um, there's including a... uh, palate cleansers for <laughs> an afternoon of games that um, that we could uh, help awesome. with the kids before they come to the dinner table. Um, mm. So like de yeah. detoxifying. Um, harmful emotions and thoughts. Right, or having, um, having a buddy application that, um, that comes along with you through any app you're working on mm. and biometrically um, indicates when you're in an uh, uncomfortable or too heightened a state and reminds you to, um, to uh, take the headset off or calm down, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Mm. Um, because we have all kinds of power with this technology, uh, uh, what's, what's coming with the technology is also really interesting. Um, uh, the biofeedback, um, the incorporation with, uh, with other devices, um, these things are um, really interesting too. 
Um, there are um, there are breathing apps. There are heart rate variability. All those kinds of things are um, those are kind of interesting. We're not working on those things yet, but they're they're down the road. Mm. Uh, our our library and the intelligence that we're gathering with analytics. Um, is something that we're feeding back into our database and are building an AI that can be used as a wellness advisor um, in the future. So, um, so that Buddy app is something uh, that's an incorporation of that AI, but we will, um, we will eventually allow that to be something that developers can use and incorporate into a watch or um, a mobile app or um, something else that, uh, that goes beyond just uh, a VR app. That's really cool. It's kind of like uh, the Jetsons therapist. Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. Like <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. I like that concept. Um, yeah, the the bio, the integration of biofeedback and any kind of peripherals is still challenging because these headsets are so brand new, and um, you know, yeah. as we integrate any kind of um, hardware that's not off the shelf, it requires the users to do one extra thing yeah. and, um, and, and they're coming, uh, you know, these, the biometric integrations are coming and EEGs and EKGs and yeah, different. Yeah, we, we, um, we are waiting for them to be fully incorporated in, yeah. into, absolutely. Um, it's like into a headset or into the glasses or makes sense that kind of thing. Use the, like all the wealth of, um, tools that we currently have. Yeah. Um, to get to get to a place that's really helpful. It sounds like yeah. you're really you're really planning for the future too. Well, um, we are uh, advocates of using uh, the technology that we could get into hands today. So uh, we are keeping an eye on the future, but we're we're really tactile about about today and the next few weeks too. So uh, so we're looking at. Um, uh, what we could get into the hands of, uh, of hospice patients, for example. Um, we're working on an app called Choices, which is, um, which is about um, end-of-life choices for um, long-term care and hospice patients um, to, um, to give them the opportunity to, instead of looking at the hospital ceiling as... Um, as what they look at for uh, for some of their last uh, visions and last months and weeks mm-hmm. of their life, to um, to give them um, somewhere else where they can go and and other uh, people that they can be surrounded by in virtual reality. And that's uh, beautiful. So potentially they could all be hanging out in the conference room while they're or whatever at the beach while they're like in their in their last days in bed. Right. Or they can be surrounded by their family or they can be surrounded by their co- um, their, their co-hospice friends or their right. other community or imaginary people that they would they would prefer to be surrounded. <laughs> maybe maybe right. you don't, wouldn't prefer maybe that not your family. Aunt, right. <laughs> mm, maybe, maybe that didn't end on a fantastic uh, note. That's true. Um, uh, but choices, you know, mm-hmm. life, 
life choices for mm. as long as you're alive, you know. Mm. We're about empowering people and, um, and, um, and those who really, really need it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to find how, how virtual reality is entering into pain management and into these uh, realms, well, that are traditionally Western, like mm. Western medicine, and it's fascinating for me to see um, how this technology is going to start speak the speaking the language of Western healthcare, mm -hmm. and also which um, facets of the current Western healthcare system are going to be the earliest adopters of mm -hmm. the tech. Um, is it going to be you know, large hospitals? Is it going to be uh, HMOs? Um, you know. What are is it going to be dentists? Like who who's going to what market segment is going to start getting the most traction or segments? Most likely it'll be uh, quite a few. So which ones are going to be the earliest? And then and then how is that the timeline of adoption going to um, intersect with the timeline of the technology as the technology starts to um, become more and more accessible to the consumer? Yeah, um, the uh, interesting thing about dentists and dentistry, um, there was a, a dentist that came to our art therapy workshop who, um, who was talking with us about the applications of that. And he said um, he sees uh, good applications for it in the waiting room um, where you're experiencing a lot of anxiety, uh, uh, pre-op. Um, certainly, uh, uh, we can decrease that anxiety. Um, the headset gets in the way a little bit during the uh, yeah. procedures, but um, uh, but once we get to glasses, um, that will probably change. So, uh, what like is what's your vision for like the timeline? So, okay, uh, let me let's take from where we are today, and then where I see and probably anyone in the industry sees where this technology is going. I actually see it just going to an embedded chip in the, mm. uh, in the visual cortex or whatever mm. the access point is. And that might be 20 years, it might be 40, it might be 100, but at some point we're going to have be truly cyborgs um, with that capacity, yeah. even though our, our mobile phone today makes us half cyborg. So, so what's the trajectory? There's some like leapfrog steps there. One is going to be where we are today um, with this hardware that's tethered to a PC. Uh, and the next is going to be hardware that's yeah. fully, fully um, untethered. And then the next will be, you know, glasses, kind of like people bring their phone with them everywhere. You won't leave your VR glasses home and then it'll be contacts and then it'll be a chip in the head maybe I don't know but that's what's yeah. your vision for a timeline from here until people have don't leave their glasses by their bedside table because it's just like their mobile phone yeah I I believe those glasses will be here in two years two years yeah wow amazing. yeah I, I believe they'll be here really soon mm. uh, I've already seen um, I've already seen a couple of them, and uh, I think that um, I'm I'm still stuck on the chip. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had I had much thought about the chip. Um, I 
I simply love the idea of of the Matrix uploading like uh, skills um, and memories into your into your head. Uh, I can't wait until we get there. I'm, really? Yeah, I can't wait for that. <laughs> Load me up. I'm. I'm. Uh, I can't wait for that. Like I just brought Michelle on, and I have a, a you know six months of data that I need to give her, uh, and I'm sort of you know sifting through the most important stuff to you know give her and and um, if I could just plug her in, um, you know, do it in thirty seconds. That would be really really helpful um, but I do I do see the um, the tethered headsets as as an obstacle um, I think that everybody will have um, you know like the the go headset I think everybody will have a go headset next year um, the $200 price point is like a, is pretty um, uh, digestible um, but uh, but I think once those glasses come out, um, they will be um, so convenient that uh, uh, to have an AR, VR um, set of them will take care of so much, um, especially if you can uh, add in um, apps, room-scale apps to those, where you can you can walk around the room and do something like tilt brush. If you can get tilt brush into anything, I'm a fan. So um, uh, I love that app, and and you can do so much more with it than just paint. Uh, I think that um, if you can get room scale apps into a pair of glasses, maybe that'll take a little bit longer than two years. I don't I don't know. This stuff is moving really fast. It, it may seem quiet on the investment front, but people are moving really fast with it. Mm -hmm. So you remember the, the days of Palm Trio, uh -huh. and then the iPhone came around, and it was like, people were like, what's this? This is incredible. This is beautiful. And then everybody started buying them, and sales went through the roof. And that was the first time that a smartphone really became, like the, it was the first computer in the pocket, uh -huh. truly, that, that then they're other models, Samsung and other guys came out with, uh -huh. with models. So, so we may have like a palm tree or a Blackberry version of glasses out in the next two years. Do you think, yeah. what, what do you think the user adoption will be for the iPhone analog um, to come out? Yeah, they'll need to be a, a superstar that comes out. Mm. Um, you think they'll rise from within a giant megacorp or do you think it'll come out of the blue like blackberry was a no-name company that just boom shot up and so was trio do you yeah. think do you yeah, think it'll no, be i i think uh it'll have to be somebody with a user base installed mm -hmm. so like a facebook or a google or yeah or, yeah uh -huh. where you've already got that that group of people that you can just like squeeze for the mm. for the users um uh, maybe with the exception of Apple, um, because it really doesn't seem like they sort of have their innovation together anymore. Mm. My my confidence in them is lagging, mm. but um, but what can come out of Google or Facebook um, might be astounding. Mm. Uh, the power they have behind them. 
Um, you know, they're not letting they're not letting the vibe die. Um, that's possible, but they don't they don't really seem like they've got enough like innovative power behind them to come out with something that um, that would be a big surprise to me. But um, I wouldn't be surprised to see something come out of um, the other two guys. Um, it's fun to think about the future and it's also like we get to operate in these parallel lives of putting our mind in the future and then coming back to brass tacks as it were like so as CEO what are some of the brass tacks like, oh yeah most, I was, most I, I'm definitely aspects? brass tacks <laughs> um, yeah challenging is um, challenging is bringing uh, bringing existing users on board you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of education and um, and you know you have that amazing moment where they sort of get it and lock in and and have their epiphany about the medium and uh, and just just getting them over that little bump is um, is the challenge um, so that's just about that's just about distribution and mm -hmm. we we feel like um, we feel like we're ahead of the game there. Um, Renew, our, our, um, our wellness portal, uh, really helps us with the distribution uh, and customer acquisition. It helps us learn about the market. It helps us um, look at analytics about um, who's buying what, um, who's succeeding, um, uh, where the areas of interest are. Um, it really gives us uh, a little uh, temperature about um, what's in the market. So, um, uh, so for us, that that piece is a little bit easier. Mm. Um, uh, the other challenge is um, we have uh, we have Fred Davis on board as a um, as a board advisor, and he's a futurist. Um, uh, I'm more of a here and now um, uh, type of person, so uh, it's probably a good combination. He's he's the one looking um, uh, way far out. You know, he's looking at the you know 15 year. I'm I'm looking at more of the here to five year mark, and um, and sometimes uh, that can be a bit challenging uh, inside the team. Um, uh, to agree on priorities, so um, sometimes I um, uh, I have to, you know, be the one that says, um, you know, great idea. We have to we have to focus on this right now. Mm. Um, cause, you know, focus is a challenge. Having to focus um, in wellness, there are so many amazing things you could do. Um, so many things that you could pay attention mm -hmm. to in mental health, mm -hmm. in um, uh, personal development, in um, you know physical improvement. In uh, I read somewhere that on on. the healthcare industry is the seventh largest industry, and mm -hmm. probably probably bigger now. That was it's an old stat. Mm -hmm. the seventh largest industry in the U.S. So if take the seventh largest industry in the U.S. and yeah, they're gonna be. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna turn it on its head when this technology really starts to to launch into any avenue. 
in the healthcare world? Yeah, the statistics are um, are are kind of crazy. There are um, uh, our unwellness is costing uh, the economy ten to fifteen percent in our output. So. Um, so corporate wellness, um, uh, corporations are definitely uh, caring about how to uh, increase our wellness. Um, stress is a $300 billion um, uh, cost to the U.S. economy alone. Um, millennials are spending a quarter of their disposable income on wellness. Um, the other uh, demographic groups are, are spending well um, well into a quarter of their disposable income on it. Um, it's uh, it's definitely an area where you know people people are caring now in this in this environment in this political environment in with all the natural disasters. This year has been a, a crazy time. Um, uh, I don't know about everyone, but I'm certainly feeling like um, I need some relief and some. Um, maybe a little escapism and uh, um, and uh, a desire to sort of like how can I help how can I how, how can I make it better and just in general um, uh, I think the uh, idea of making yourself better so you can help others is um, is a good notion and a and a um, a welcome one when you mm. don't know what to do, when mm. you don't know how to help or how to how to affect change. Mm. Um, uh, our it's, our it's tagline possible. is "Better You, Better World." It's oh, a, nice. it's about um, uh, helping yourself so that you can help others and have a, a systemic change and an impact on the mm. world. So uh, it sort of ripples. Great. Mm. Yeah, and it sounds like. In the process of pursuing your passion, you are helping yourself in a way. Like pursuing our creative endeavors, often I found um, with the service in mind, mm -hmm. is is often really um, beneficial to the to the self. Yeah, it's um, heartwarming. Mm, yeah, and especially I think as we we begin to see some of the technologies that you're building being more deployed and start to see like real humans come forward and say, hey, you know, I was in this state of pain, anxiety, depression, whatever, oh, um, yeah. and fear, and now I'm in a state of joy and peace and calm and I'm actually doing my thing that's giving service to the world. And, you know, we could, sing kumbaya now and wear crowns of flowers, but reality is our, our society and the world and humanity mm -hmm. is actually in a place where it needs um, more healers and more, um, more healing. And I really feel like mm -hmm. programs are the new pills. Mm -hmm. uh, they will be if they aren't already. And um, the Terrence McKenna quote that mm -hmm the drugs of the future will be computers and computers are the drugs of the future mm -hmm. is that it resonates the more I think about it um, and I feel like virtual reality because it can engage so many of the senses is such a deep way to program the being this human being well um, 
you know, you mentioned uh, about like tapping into the subconscious and the, the thing about um, uh, virtual reality is that um, uh, not only does it open up your subconscious, but if you bring yourself to uh, a level of like theta brainwave state um, and you've opened up your subconscious and at that time, uh, when um, when you're when you're there and your behaviors and your values, this is where all of your behaviors and your values, your opinions, can all be changed. There, that's the level where all of that, all of your emotions, are. Um, uh, you change how you feel about things and people and and the world. Um, that's incredibly powerful. Um, uh, it changes um, your beliefs about yourself, um, uh, about the people closest to you, um, uh, about um, your, abil your abilities to do things, your self-confidence. Um, we, we built a self-compassion app uh, that you face your inner critic in. And um, in the app, the inner critic is saying all these negative things to you. And then you have the ability to um, turn it around and change these negative thoughts into positive thoughts. And, uh, and to be able to do that in a space where you're operating in your subconscious is um, is very interesting, um, and uh, it's taken from a uh, cognitive behavioral therapy exercise um, that therapists use in office. And what we learned in testing this with um, therapists, psychologists, is that um, the virtual reality app works better than in office therapy uh, because you're it's experiential. You're you're um, uh, if you remember um, from your school days when you were taught something up on the board and then they, uh, they handed the paper and pen to you and said, okay, now it's your turn. Well, the act of actually doing it yourself is writing it in your brain in a way that is uh, much more impactful than actually just seeing it or hearing it. Um, and that's one piece of why virtual reality works so much better than uh, just in, in office talk therapy. Um, you know, we think that's very promising for, um, for psychotherapy, but in general for what can be done in, in uh, your subconscious um, in, a positive, in a positive manner. Uh, but like we were talking earlier, flip that around, something very simple like that, flip it around, you can do real damage too. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very important to be super responsible. Mm -hmm. um, have you used the tools you're developing yourself as a form of mm -hmm. relaxation and therapy? Yeah, so this spring, um, um, my daughter uh, moved out and moved to New York. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> um, to both of you. And it didn't, it didn't come um, without, uh, uh, evidently, a bit of anxiety. I started having 
panic attacks out of nowhere. Uh, these were uh, serious panic attacks. The, um, the first one sent me to the emergency room. I thought I was having a heart attack. I was, it was incredibly painful. Uh, uh, movement arresting. I, I was, I was uh, completely beside myself. Um, went to the ER, told me you're having a panic attack, go home. Um, I kept having them. I was having them in the middle of the night. It was like my whole body would seize up. It was incredibly painful. Sounds horrible. <laughs> I would have I would ha I would have to leave meetings. I, you know, um, it occurred to me I run a VR company for uh, <laughs> emotional wellness, and we have all kinds of anxiety apps. Uh, I started trying them one after the other. I, I had my Gear VR next to, the, um, next to the couch, and every time I had one, I would try a different VR app. Well, like the third one I tried worked. Amazing. Just like that. I put it on uh, within 10 or 12 seconds, the anxiety was leaving my body, and after maybe eight times, uh, the panic attacks were gone completely, and they haven't been back since. So it works. It, it works. It's, it's incredibly powerful. It, it takes finding the right thing. There are all kinds of apps. Like I said, there's, there's 300 on our platform alone, and those are curated. Those are, those are the best ones we found. So, um, and there's more every day. So, uh, this is an incredibly active space. Uh, there are, there's a huge community of developers that are, that are building for this and more coming and bring it on. Uh, uh, this, is, uh, this is a beautiful area to be creating for. And, Thank um, you. Thank you for all you're doing and, and having the courage to, to do it. Yeah. I feel honored to be to be doing this. This is uh, this is what I want to keep doing, and it's I'm beautiful. Happy that you're interested. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> good conversation. Well, I guess on to more brass tacks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conscious Founders with Lisa Padilla. You can find out more about her and her company at newpathvr.com. And as always, stay tuned for another episode of Conscious Founders podcast. Have a wonderful day, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is for you, and we'll catch up soon. Bye.